0: All right, as we head into warmer weather across much of the U.S. in the coming months, one way to stay cool and continue to get a good night's sleep is by checking out Bowl and Branch Bedding and Sheets. They're a brand that we love here at MoNews. News. We only endorse products that we love. And we've been using Bowl and Branch for more than two years now in our home. The sheets have been great, soft, breathable fabric that works for both cold and warm weather. We noticed the quality immediately and have gotten a few different sets in our house. I know Jill has as well. They're made with 100% organic cotton, completely free from toxins. I know that is very important to a number of you, and it's not just sheets. They have blankets, duvets, pillows, a whole variety of products to ensure you get a good night's sleep. And right now, they have a great deal for the Mo News community. Go check them out. I promise you will not be disappointed. Again, they get softer with every wash. So the deal right now is 15% off your order when you use the promo code MONews over at bullandbranch.com. That is bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code MONews for 15% off. Exclusions do apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, it is Tuesday, September 27th. I'm Mo Wanunu and you're listening to the Mo News Podcast. This is the place where we bring you just the facts from verified sources and a breakdown of what matters in the news. We read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. There's a lot we're watching on this Tuesday morning. We'll begin with Space Bam. NASA successfully slammed a spacecraft into an asteroid 7 million miles away last night. It's the first test of our planetary defense system to change the direction of rocks headed our way. This one was not headed our way, but NASA isn't waiting until one is. Back here on Earth, Florida is prepping for a hurricane Ian. The effects will start to be felt today and landfall may happen Thursday morning. Meanwhile, abroad, Russians are fighting back against the Russian government. Things have gotten violent as draft tensions escalate. Here at home, the January 6th committee is set to have its last public hearing this week. I'll have details on what we will learn then. And a bit of entertainment news, why Avatar, the original film, is back in theaters after more than a decade. Let's start, though, with Hurricane Ian. Monday night, it became a Category 2 storm, rapidly intensifying in the northwest Caribbean Sea. It'll bring hurricane conditions to western Cuba before it heads into the Gulf of Mexico for what looks like a strike on Florida Wednesday into Thursday. A hurricane warning has been issued for parts of the Florida west coast that includes Tampa Bay, Sarasota, and going north towards the Panhandle. A storm surge warning is now in effect for the same area. After passing Cuba, it's actually expected to intensify to a Category 4 strength. That's the second highest category. That brings catastrophic winds and flooding with top winds up to 140 miles per hour. It is expected to weaken slightly from Category 4 strength before making landfall on Florida's Gulf Coast. Ian is still forecast to be at or near major hurricane strength. It could weaken to Category 1 when it passes over West Central Florida. We are watching, and there is a lot of questions right now when it comes to all the various tracks that the various meteorologists are watching. Regardless of its final strength, its effects will start to be felt today in earnest. The Florida Keys will start to get 4 to 6 inches of rain. Central West Florida is expected to see 6 inches of rain up to a foot. And the rest of Florida is forecast to see anywhere between 4 and 8 inches. According to the National Hurricane Center, and again, this will shift Uh, Over the course of the next few hours and days, they say Monday night that hurricane force winds are expected in the hurricane warning area in west central Florida, as we've been discussing, uh, you know, north of Naples, as you get into St. Pete, Clearwater, Tampa, especially. Those winds will begin Wednesday morning. Tropical storm conditions will be felt as soon as tonight. Heavy rainfall will increase across the Keys, south Florida, throughout the day today, and then expand into central and northern Florida. Wednesday and Thursday. The National Hurricane Center also warns about significant prolonged river flooding. Despite all the attention winds are given as part of hurricanes, the biggest killer in hurricanes tends to be water. And the Hurricane Center warned on Monday that the Gulf Coast faces a high risk of storm surge, a rapid increase in sea level that could flood coastal neighborhoods. We should note that this part of the Florida West Coast around the Tampa area is low-lying and particularly vulnerable to storm surge. Florida Governor DeSantis has issued a state of emergency for all 67 counties, given what he called the uncertainty of the storm. Schools across central Florida and on the coast have announced, many of them, that they are closing down for the week after today. The feds are also getting ahead of this. President Biden has already approved a federal emergency declaration for Florida that allows Florida early access to FEMA and all of its resources. I'll continue to monitor this storm and its track on the Instagram feed throughout the day. Meanwhile, slightly further away, and by slightly, I mean 7 million miles away last night, NASA successfully crashed a spacecraft into an asteroid in the first ever test of our planetary defense system. It is literally the first time humanity will have moved a planetary body if this test is successful. Here is what it sounded like as NASA watched the final seconds last night of the spacecraft headed into the asteroid. Oh my goodness. Eight, yeah. seven, oh, six, wow. five, four, three, two, one. Oh my gosh. Oh wow. we visual confirmation. It really was incredible to watch this live feed, literally a live feed of a 14,000 mile per hour spacecraft headed towards a asteroid, 7 million miles away for perspective. Uh, the moon is about 200,000 miles away. This is 7 million miles away, more than uh, nearly 40 times the distance. The target on Monday was a 525-foot asteroid named Dimorphus. It's actually a moon asteroid that revolves around a larger uh, asteroid called Didymos, which is Greek for twin. That main asteroid was five times bigger. The focus on NASA, though, was Dimorphos, the junior partner. Dimorphos, by the way, for its part, is the size of a football stadium, just slightly smaller than the Eiffel Tower. The spacecraft that we shot at it, called DART, was the size of a golf cart. So think about it like this. We literally crashed a golf cart at 14,000 miles per hour into the side of a football stadium. The cheers were incredible at NASA. Think about this. They launched this spacecraft from Earth last November, 10 months, 7 million miles At 14,000 miles per hour and dead aim, it hit its target. Now the big question is what impact will it have to the asteroid angle, spin, and orbit? The idea here is to test a system that allows us to hit an asteroid in the future that may be headed our way and knock it off just enough off course not to hit our planet. So though the immediate impact was obvious, I've posted on my Instagram feed what it looked like as it hit the asteroid they had a live feed until of course the radio signal ceased upon impact and will be days or even weeks for nasa to determine how much the asteroid's path was actually changed they're going to use telescopes and a whole bunch of technology to determine how much they were able to move it again it really is a matter of how this uh, asteroid was spinning, how it's gonna revolve around the larger asteroid. And again, how much they were able to shake it because as an potential future, God forbid, asteroid is headed towards Earth, it really takes just a slight diversion to take it off of its course. The mission cost $325 million. I would call it money well spent, given that this could save humanity at some point. The NASA Administrator, Bill Nelson tweeted, "'No, this is not a movie plot. We've all seen it on movies like Armageddon, but the real life stakes are high. The good news right now, at present, astronomers do not know of any asteroids that have any chance of hitting Earth within the next 100 years. The bad news is that astronomers estimate they still haven't found another about 15,000 asteroids that are big enough to wipe out a city. NASA feels it has pretty good command, 95% or above, on all asteroids that could literally destroy all of Earth. It's these smaller asteroids, like the one uh, NASA hit last night, that could take out cities, and right now, NASA's pretty sure it knows about 50% of those asteroids. So there's still a lot more to discover. So as they continue to discover asteroids and try to calculate their pathways, they're also testing what's called this DART system, the Double Asteroid Redirection Test Spacecraft System. They started building this system in 2015. So this is really seven years in the making. But you can go back to 2005 when U.S. Congress, yes, Congress did something. They directed NASA to discover and track near-Earth asteroids Anything larger than 460 feet, which includes this one, no known asteroids, as I said, in this category pose an immediate threat to Earth, but only an estimated 50% or so have been found. So NASA scientists continue to look up into the skies, into the heavens to ensure uh, they have a good command for everything out there. In the meantime, great success last night, at least uh, initial phase here in hitting the uh, dimorphous asteroid we will know in the coming weeks if we were actually able to knock it off course and by how much meanwhile here on earth resistance in Russia to the draft Putin's call-up of several hundred thousand Russian soldiers is getting violent with several attacks in recent days and the violence I'm talking about is in Russia by Russians against other Russians it comes as there have been long lines and crowds at several of Moscow's major airports tickets to destinations still available to Russians after of course the EU halted all their direct flights Countries that are still open, like Turkey, Armenia, Serbia, and Dubai, have been sold out for days despite sky-high prices. Russian media, including state-run outlets, reported yesterday that border guards have started to turn men away at the border, citing the mobilization law. There's uh, tens of thousands of Russian men who are trying to leave the country right now to avoid the draft. At the same time, state television is trying to paint a rosy picture of the mobilization drive. They're showing crowds of eager men lining up to enlist in the war against Ukraine, but the reality on the ground appears to be very different enlistment offices and other administrative buildings around Russia have been set on fire since the start of the call-up, several dozen buildings, in fact. And then we have a couple episodes of violence in recent days. A man walked into an enlistment office in Siberia, opening fire. Russian media reported that the man, a 25-year-old, was upset that his best friend, who didn't have combat experience, was being called up. Authorities have said experience like that would be a main criteria for mobilization. In this case, it wasn't. And so this man, a 25-year-old named Ruslan Zinin, was arrested for shooting up the enlistment office, including a military officer who's currently hospitalized in intensive care, an extremely grave condition. The shooter reportedly said, no one will go fighting. We will all go home now. That incident comes as there was another man who rammed a car into the entrance of a different recruitment center and then set it afire with Molotov cocktails. Staying with Russia for a second, Vladimir Putin granted former NSA contractor Edward Snowden. Remember him? He officially is a Russian citizen, thanks to Vladimir Putin on Monday. Snowden, if you remember, is accused of espionage and theft of government property in the U.S., leaking troves of information on american intelligence and mass surveillance programs to the media years ago he's now 39 years old he's been living in exile in moscow after initially traveling to hong kong following the 2013 public disclosure he faces actually 30 years in prison in the u.s though Snowden has now been in russia for years he and his wife applied for citizenship last year it appears putin has granted it by the way a big question i got from many of you was does that now mean that Snowden is now eligible To be drafted by the russian military to fight in ukraine according to his attorney quoted in russian state media snowden is not subject to this partial mobilization because he did not serve in the russian army that again is according to his attorney we will see if that lasts okay we got a new price tag on president biden's student debt relief package yesterday $420 $420 billion. This number comes to us from the Congressional Budget Office. They're effectively the government's nonpartisan number cruncher. They've put together the numbers because of the nuances of the plan. They had predictions. They've done a full analysis of the plan Biden announced several weeks ago. It comes to about $40 billion a year for 10 years of debt forgiveness, plus an extra $20 billion this year for the repayment pause that uh, ends in January. That estimate, by the way, does not take into account other nuances of the repayment plan. Apparently, according to the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, that is a DC-based think tank that actually has opposed this plan. They believe the plan will cost an extra 120 billion, which would put the price tag closer to $550 billion. We're waiting on some more details from the government. They say that they will have details and the application out in October for people who are eligible to apply for debt relief. Meanwhile, though, conservative groups have launched a national search for plaintiffs to challenge the forgiveness in court. That threatens to put the 43 million borrowers in limbo if it gets dragged into a long legal process. Basically, Republicans, uh, lawmakers, state attorneys general are all waiting for the official application to go out, then they will sue. And this could go through the court system for months or potentially years. The big question is whether a judge during that time freezes this and never allows the debt relief plan to really take effect until it's fully adjudicated. Okay, for those of you who have been watching the January 6th committee hearings throughout the spring and summer, We're awaiting what will likely be their final public hearing this Wednesday tomorrow. This comes before they release a final public report on their findings and recommendations. This week's hearing will book an investigation into the Capitol riot, the January 6th riot, that has spanned more than a year, including 130,000 documents and testimony from more than a thousand witnesses. Congressman Adam Schiff, the Democrat from California who's on the panel, previewed the hearing on Sunday saying he thinks it'll be potentially more sweeping than some of the other hearings Another member of the committee, the chair, Benny Thompson, another Democrat, he's from Mississippi, he offered a tease of this week's hearing. He says the panel has, quote, substantial footage of what occurred, significant witness testimony that we haven't yet used in other hearings. Tomorrow will likely be the last public hearing for Congresswoman Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. They're the two Republicans. On the committee, Cheney lost her August primary for re-election to a Trump-backed candidate, so she is set to lose her seat in January. Kinzinger has also been an outspoken Republican critic of Trump is set to retire in January and leave office as well. So what's next after this week's hearing? Still pending. Testimony by Ginny Thomas. She's the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Ginny, there's a lot of evidence of how involved she was with January 6th opponents, the riots, et cetera. The committee is asking her to testify. She appears to have said yes, we'll wait for that uh, in the coming weeks. Steve Bannon, who's facing uh, criminal charges right now, for initially refusing to testify has now agreed to testify though that trial is set to go on but we will see potentially testimony maybe it's off camera uh, maybe it's behind closed doors from him as well so those are two of the things we're watching before the january 6 committee closes up shop they have said that they plan to release a final report after the midterm elections but could make news before then the committee claims that the election is not a big factor in planning So uh, I'd be shocked if they had something major on Trump and won't release it before the midterms, they say that they will release some early findings and recommendations before the election. Again, no surprise there. The bottom line here, and the one question we're all asking about the panel's work, is whether that final report or the preliminary report will include a criminal referral regarding Trump's conduct on January 6th. If the committee chooses to make a referral that is literally just them recommending to the Justice Department, to Attorney General Merrick Garland, to file criminal charges against Trump, something they could or not take into account. Either way, the committee looks like it's closing up its business here. And we will await uh, their final hearing this week, some final testimony and a final report after midterms. Okay, one more story out of Washington here. On Monday, the Biden administration announced plans to go after airlines and travel websites if they try to slip in fees after we've picked our flight or even after we've bought the ticket. The proposed rule is part of Biden's overall competition efforts. The administration and, in particular, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg have been very aggressive trying to crack down on things that they believe the airlines do that are not good for consumers This new rule about fees will undergo a 60-day review and public comment period. You can go to the Transportation website to comment on this. Biden touted the efforts to pressure the airlines into changing their policies during a White House event on Monday afternoon. The new rules would apply to extra charges. We've all faced these as we're buying tickets online, like baggage fees, change fees, cancellation fees. They'll also apply to family seating fees. I'm not sure if you've seen these, they can be tacked onto fares during the last step of the booking process. If you're trying to get all the tickets together, this is after the tickets have been purchased. So right now, this is the latest move by the White House, to try to crack down on the airlines for all these little fees when you feel like you're being nickel and dined as you're buying a ticket. A bit of social media news as it relates to Washington as well. The New York Times reports that the Biden administration and TikTok have drafted a preliminary agreement to resolve national security concerns posed by the Chinese-owned video app. They could still face major hurdles over terms. This comes as TikTok is trying to stay operating in the U.S. without making major changes to its ownership structure. Under these new draft terms, and remember there's been a controversy going back several years now with TikTok, TikTok would make changes to three main areas. According to the New York Times, TikTok would first store its American data solely on servers in the US, probably run by Oracle, instead of its own servers in Singapore and Virginia. Second, TikTok is expected to allow Oracle to start monitoring its algorithm. Remember, the algorithm determines the content that the app recommends to all of us. There are a lot of concerns that the Chinese government, in its current iteration, could use the feed on TikTok as a way to influence the American public. And as part of the final major measure of the draft terms, TikTok would create a board of security experts reporting to the government to oversee its U.S. operations. The New York Times reports that the two sides have hammered out the foundations of a deal in which TikTok would make those changes. Again, it would not require the Chinese uh, internet company ByteDance to completely sell TikTok. There's still a lot of wrangling here, and it could take months. There is reporting that some high-up officials, including Lisa Monaco, she's the number two at DOJ, still has some concerns that this deal is not tough enough on China. If you recall, this all started back in 2020 when then-President Trump ordered ByteDance to sell the app. Or risk being blocked here in the US. The Chinese company did reach an agreement to sell to Oracle, but the deal never closed. And then a federal court ruled against Trump's attempt to block the app. That then left TikTok's fate in the hands of Biden. Last year, he issued an order rolling back some of Trump's demands. But then there was a BuzzFeed news story in June that showed that TikTok's employees in China had access to TikTok US data that elevated concerns, which is what is leading to these latest negotiations. Okay, I wanna end here with some entertainment news. Avatar was the biggest movie in the world over the weekend, again. And this is the original James Cameron 2009 sci-fi epic. The idea was to re-release this movie to theaters ahead of the December debut of the sequel, the long-awaited 13 years in the making sequel, which will be called Avatar The Way of Water. Over the weekend, the OG Avatar made just under $31 million around the world, including $10 million here in North America. Analysts believe this is a great sign for the chances of the sequel later this year. Avatar is still officially the biggest movie of all time, now with just under $2.9 billion in worldwide box office, including just under $800 million here in the US. Avengers Endgame slightly surpassed the original Avatar back in 2019, but Avatar has reclaimed its crown with several re releases including one in China last year. By the way, you might notice some changes in this newest Avatar was remastered for this re-release in 4K. Uh, In particular, I see that IMAX screenings accounted for a significant amount of the global gross. So for those of you looking for a refresher before you see the sequel of Avatar later this December, uh, it appears that the OG Avatar is still doing really well at a theater near you. Thanks everyone for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to the show on whatever app you're listening to us on. A follow or subscription, make sure you do not miss a single episode. Also, make sure to review us in the App Store. Every review makes a difference and helps us continue to grow this podcast. I'd love feedback on how I'm doing, on what we're covering. What you'd like to see, email me over at podcast.com at mo.news. You can also subscribe to the Mo News newsletter over at monews.bulletin.com. And you can follow me on Instagram, of course, at Moshe at M-O-S-H-E-H. I'll see everyone here tomorrow.